I'd like to go along with Ted and welcome everyone here this morning. I'm sorry if you come thinking you're going to hear Randy, uh, but every now and then he does need to get away, and we hope that he and his family are having a good time, and he will be back to be with us. And So if you would, please just bear with me a few moments. i got just a, a few things we'd like to talk about, and, and hopefully it'll have something to be meaning to all of our lives. Where do I stand? Well, that's the, the title of the sermon I come up with, but that's not really what I wanted to use. Last summer, I was, when I'm mowing, that's the way I get away from the world, had my headphones on, and I heard a song by Charlie Daniels that was titled, What This World Needs is a Few More Rednecks, Good People to Willing to Take a Stand. And I thought, that's what we need in the church, a few more rednecks, people that are willing to take the stand. But I got doing a little research about this and got looking at all the definitions of a redneck and what most people, have, they define with a redneck is not very good. It's very degrading, it's very disrespectful, and they have very little respect for those people. But you know when you start reading the definitions in the, in the dictionary, you keep reading down because there's multiple definitions. Right down at the very bottom was really what I think is a true definition of a redneck in our society where we live in right now. It says a redneck is an individual that is decent. They're proud of their heritage. They're honest. They're hardworking with high moral standards. They're the salt of the earth. They hold true to what is right and wrong. They're faithful to God, family, friends, and they're not afraid to stand up for their faith in God, good common sense, and what is right. They're from every corner of the life. Their standards in life is what sets them apart from the rest of the world. You know, when I got thinking of that definition, is that not what a Christian is supposed to be? Is their life not supposed to be set apart from the rest of the world? Matthew 5, 16, it says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. You know, this means that we're supposed to live our life in a way that demonstrates what a true Christian is, what Christianity is supposed to be. And to do this, we're supposed to arm ourselves with knowledge, both of what the gospel says, the word of God, but also about the world around us. It's hard to respond to, to things in the world when we don't know what's going on. Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And also in 1 Peter 3.15, it says, But sanctify the Lord your God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone 
who ask you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and in fear. You know, every morning when we get up, we get ready to leave the house, and we put on the clothes that are proper for what our task is that day. Maybe going to work, maybe going out to work in the yard, in, on the farm. It may be going to church as we did this morning, but we always wear what's proper. Paul tells us that we need to put on the clothing of a Christian every day. This is the things that we need to put on to make our lives where we can actually defend the things in this world and be able to take a stand. You know, it's our job to live and teach as Christ did. We'll let him take care of everything else if we just do what we're supposed to do. I read a story recently of a man who claimed to be a Christian, and he went to work in a lumber camp. Now, this lumber camp had the reputation of being very, very ungodly, really rough type men to work with. A friend of his told him, he said, when these lumberjacks find out that you're a Christian, you're going to live a really rough life. You're going to be in for a hard time. And he says, I know, but I've got to have the job. So he left, went up in the mountains, and he stayed a year in this lumber camp. And when he came back, his friend met him in town, and he asked him, he said, okay, how did it go? Did they give you a hard time because you were a Christian? The man replied, not at all. They didn't give me a bit of trouble. They never knew I was a Christian. Where did this man stand? It was obvious he didn't stand to let his light shine. The children's song, This Little Christian Light of Mine, I'm going to let it shine. Where did he put his light? Did he let it shine? He put it on the basket. He hid it. He wanted to make sure nobody knew what he was doing. He wanted to blend in with the world. You know, this story can hit very close to home to all of us. We live in a world that's really hostile to Christianity. You know, how easy is it to blend in with the world and never speaking a word that would identify ourselves as a Christian? You know, the thing of it is, if we did, it might cost us our reputation. It might even cost us our job if we stood up and did what we were supposed to do. You know, even sometimes among Christian friends, it's hard to to hold our convictions for fear of what they might think about us. Peter, Peter Marshall once was quoted, he said, give to us a clear vision that we may know where to stand and what to stand for. Because unless we stand for something, we can fall for anything. Even Aaron Tipton had a country hit. You've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. Well, that's great. But what is that, stump, that something? What do we stand for? We as Christians, we must stand for the principles and teachings in God's word. Psalms 119, 9 through 11. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. How do we hide the word in our heart? How do we not wander from his commandments? We must read and study God's word daily. Now, we're all familiar with all the professional athletes and how great they are, and they do excel at what they do, but they work hard every day. They practice, they study to improve their knowledge of the game that they're playing. 
is it not a greater importance for us to become professional Christians? Should we put more work as being a professional athlete than we should being a professional Christian? Just think what our Christianity life would be if we worked and, and studied as hard as professional athletes do to be able to play a football game on, on Sunday morning. 2 Timothy 2.15 Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And in Psalms 119.105 Your word is a lamp to my light, a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. All of us have been in this situation. Think back when a storm came in the middle of the night, the power went off, the house was completely dark, and you knew you had to get into another room where your kids were. Did you just sit there in fear because it was so dark that you didn't move? Or what would you do? You reached for a flashlight. That flashlight would light your path. It would light your way. The Word of God is our way to light our way through life. Just think how dark our world would be if we didn't have God's Word to direct us in what we need to do each day to light our path. Hebrews 4.12, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know, when we stand for the word, we must be committed and convicted in our hearts. You remember the story of Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They stood by their beliefs, and they never compromised. They didn't compromise on their faith, even to the point if it was going to cost them their lives. It had been very easy for them to just give in, bow down to the king's idol, Instead, they stood strong for what they believed. Shouldn't we do the same thing? Shouldn't we stand up and be strong for what we believe? Shouldn't we hold true and dear without compromising and apologies? You know, too many times people are living their lives of compromise because they want to fit in with the world. Oh, how easy it is to give in to peer pressure instead of standing up for what is right. <clears throat> You know, at times it'd be easier just to let our guard down and sort of go with the flow. But the only problem of this is, once you do it one time, just think how easier it is to do it the next time and the next time. Just remember, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, I want us to talk just a minute about a character in the Bible that's not a lot said about, but it really points out a person that's willing to stand up. This is Joseph of Arimathea. If you really stop back and think, who was Joseph? What did he do? There's only just a very short few verses even mentions him. Joseph was the one that buried the body of Jesus when he was crucified on the cross. He was a member of the Jewish Sanhedrin, and the Sanhedrin was a body of 70 men that governed the religious and many of the, the civic matters in Israel. It was the Sanhedrin court that had condemned Jesus to death. You know, although Joseph probably had not consented to their plan of action, 
I'm sure he didn't speak out as he should have, as vigorously as he should have, in defense of Jesus. John 19.38 tells us that he was a secret disciple for fear of the Jews. Joseph's fear had caused him not to take a bold stand for Christ, even though in his heart he knew that was the thing he should do. But now, after Jesus was dead, when his followers had actually gone into hiding, Mark 15.43 tells us that Joseph gathered up his courage, went to Pilate, and asked for the body of Jesus so that he could give him a proper burial. If he hadn't done so, Jesus' body would have probably been discarded and burned. And that's what was sort of happened. That's what normally happened with people that have been crucified. That would have robbed us from some of the major proofs of his resurrection. You know, so we can thank Joseph for honoring Jesus with that proper burial, fulfilling the scriptures, and giving us those evidences we need for our faith. You know, in doing so, Joseph seemingly had absolutely nothing to gain and everything to lose by identifying himself with Jesus at this point in time. Jesus was dead. No one was really expecting him to be resurrected. Even though they had heard it, they didn't really expect that. It had been much easier for Joseph just to have thought, oh, well, you know, Jesus was a good man. He was a prophet of God. And it's too bad these things happen. But life must go on. I'll have a lot more influence if I don't rock the boat and I can just keep my seat on the Sanhedrin. I'd better not do anything to upset anyone or jeopardize my position of influence. But in spite of all these risks, Joseph came out of hiding and he took a strong stand for Jesus by providing him that proper burial. Are we a secret Christian? Just like Joseph was? Is our Christian faith and our behavior, is it locked inside the doors of this building? It's easy to be a Christian in here. It's simple. But when we walk out of those doors, what does our life show? Do we keep our Christianity in here and we blend in with the world when we walk out? Just remember Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify God, our Father in heaven. Okay, how do we take a stand? First thing is, we need to go to the foot of the cross. The cross is the center of Christian faith. Just think back on that day, the day that Christ was crucified. He had been beaten. Unimaginably how he had been beaten and he had suffered. He was suffering beyond belief. The nails that was driven into his hands... As he hung on that cross, the faint words that he was barely able to speak, and his final cry, it is finished. Then the sky darkening, the earth trembling, and the veil torn in the temple. That's what the people experienced firsthand. We can't experience that today. We don't have that ability to experience what Joseph and the others saw that day, but we can study and strengthen our faith and the salvation of Christ through his word. The cross is the center. If you go there often, 
you'll never be the same. It will change your life, and it will strengthen you to be able to take that stand. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When we go to the foot of the cross, going to the cross reminds us that Jesus died. Without his death, there was not a resurrection. Without the resurrection, our faith is absolutely worthless because we're still living in sin. Going to the cross reminds us that Jesus died for our sins. Jesus didn't just quietly pass away in his sleep. He suffered the most agonizing death known to man. If we stop and think of the sacrifice that he made just for us so we could have forgiveness of our sins, does that not strengthen your soul? Does that not strengthen your convictions to be able to take a strong stand for him? Look at the stand he took, he took for us. Going through the cross reminds us that Jesus was buried. His death and burial is further proof that he took the form of a mortal man. You know, a lot of people, they try to say, oh, yeah, Jesus resurrected, but he didn't really die. He just went into sort of a, a trance, a deep sleep. That wasn't true. Even the soldiers that was there to make sure he was dead knew he was dead hanging on that cross because when they came around to break the legs of Jesus, they said, he's already dead. They're not going to break his legs. And then all of a sudden, one takes a spear and pushes it through his side, and the blood and water came forth, which was further proof that the man had already died. His body was already starting to break down. Then Christ was taken and laid in a new tomb. Why a new tomb? Because other tombs many times had other people in it. There was no way his body could have been mistaken for anyone else. Going to the cross reminds us that Jesus was raised from the dead on the third day. 1 Corinthians 5, 3 and 4, it says, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and he was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. The resurrection is the foundation for the entire Christian faith. It's God's proof to all man that he will someday judge the world in righteousness through Jesus Christ. Acts 17.31, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained, he has given assurance of all of this by raising him from the dead. You know, when we struggle with an idea of taking a stand, all we need to do is just remember the stance that Christ took for us. He willingly went to that cross. He was that supreme sacrifice. He shed his blood and he died to pay our debt for our sins. So how do we take a stand? We go to the foot of the cross, but we also must be prepared to pay the price, to sacrifice our reputation if that's what it takes. Remember, Joseph was a member of the Sanhedrin court. The Sanhedrin just previously, not long before that, 
had thrown out a man out of the synagogue, a man that was blind from birth, that Jesus healed. They threw him out because Jesus had actually healed him and restored his sight. If they threw him out of the synagogue, just imagine the price that Joseph paid and probably his family for taking the body of Jesus and giving it a proper burial. You know, today our society has grown so tolerant of anyone except for the person that stands up for the word of God. Just look at what's happening with abortion, gay rights, adultery, divorce and remarriage, even prayers in schools and public places. Jim Fagan, a minister at the Central Church of Christ in Paducah, Kentucky, he recently wrote in a little news article about being at a homeowners association meeting. The president of the meeting knew Jim was a minister, and before he started the meeting, he said, Jim, would you lead us in an opening prayer if no one objects? You know how sad it was. All we had to do is, all there was is one person had to stand up and said, no, we can't go to God in public and talk to him and ask for his blessings. The small minorities in this world, they've taken a stand and they've made their voices loud to the point that the majority has let them dictate our lives. They've let them dictate our moral values in the world. Being afraid of what someone might think, not trying to offend someone, has taken this country away from the foundation on which it was established. This country was founded on the principles of God's word. You know, the real truth is, it doesn't really matter what anybody else thinks or says about us. It's only what God thinks and what God knows. All we need to do is stand for God, let him take care of our reputation. And also, we need to be ready to sacrifice our riches. Joseph gave up a new tomb. And that day and time, that was a very, very expensive item. He could accomplish the same thing by just going out and actually buying a cheaper tomb. But he didn't. He gave Jesus the best that he had. Are we willing to give to Christ the best that we have? Are we willing to give generously? Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When we give, not only just of our time, but in our money and, and also our time, if we give when it's safe and convenient, when it comes time to take a stand for Christ, I got a feeling our stand will be safe and convenient also. So how do we take a stand? We got to show up and do what we can. Joseph took the body of Jesus and he buried it. He stood for his belief in Christ. You know, maybe all of us can't be a Joseph, but we can still, still take a stand by our behavior, our attitude, our actions, and our commitment not to compromise. Take a stand to not blend in with the rest of the world. But take a stand for what is right. Romans 8.28 
For we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Just think of all the good we could do as a Christian and what we can accomplish if we all do everything we can and we work together. Let us all take a stand and work harder together. Galatians 6, 7 through 9. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows of his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows of the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. You remember what the definition of the redneck was? It says, though, the salt of the earth. They hold true to what is right and what is wrong. They're faithful to God, to family, to friends, and they're not afraid to stand up for their faith in God. You know, a true Christian actually will stand apart from the rest of the world. They will stand for worshiping the one and only God and putting Christ first in their life. They'll stand for respect for all people. They'll stand for being humble. They'll stand for being honest. They'll stand for their commitment to their family, to their marriage, and morality. They'll stand for being generous with their time and their money. They'll stand to practice what they preach, not being a hypocrite. They'll stand for not being self-righteous. They'll stand for not holding a grudge. They'll stand for their willing to forgive others. And most of all, they'll stand for doing what is right. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You know, there's only one way to stand, and that's stand on the right side of Christ. Acts 2.38, Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, a true Christian will always stand. He'll do what is right for the right reason and in the right way. So the question comes back, where do you stand today? Do you stand on the right side of Christ? Do you stand with him and for him? Do you stand for truth? Are you willing to do what's right in the right way for the right reason? If you're not standing with Christ, why not? It's simple. Be baptized with him. Wash away your sins. Get right with God. If you've tried to blend in with the world, and you've moved back in the world, and you're not taking that stand, God will forgive you. All you got to do is ask him. It's up to us. If we want to stand up in this world, stand up like the minority has, and let our voices be, be spoken, just think what we could accomplish when we're willing to stand up and do what's right 
for the right reason. If you have any needs right now, all you have to do is stand for Christ. Come forward now as we stand and sing.